it created the IRA. And what IRA stands for is Individual Retirement Arrangement. And so what it does is it's so that the average American doesn't have to rely on Social Security. Now they can have an individual retirement arrangement where they can save for their own retirement. And back when IRAs were initiated and first created, you were able to self-direct them then, but the average person didn't really know what they were, let alone what you could do with them. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, the number one podcast geared towards helping international investors break into the U.S. market and start buying cash-flowing deals. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, as you know, this show is all about educating you guys, my loyal listeners, about the benefits of investing in U.S. cash-flowing real estate. Now, if you want to join the community, um, of our cracking entrepreneurs, then subscribe to my podcast. This podcast is everywhere. We're on SoundCloud, we're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes. Wherever you podcast, I will be there. Search for my name, Reed Goosens. That's R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S, Reed Goosens. Uh, and if you leave a comment, uh, I will give you in return my new brand spanking new ebook. Now, my ebook just came hot off the press from my publisher. And so, what do you need to do to get your hands on an ebook? Well, jump on iTunes, as I just said, leave the show a review. I'm trying to build up the reviews. And in return, shoot me an email at info, that's I N F O, at rsnpropertygroup.com with your screen name on iTunes. And I'll check that you left a review. And then in return, I'll give you my new ebook. It is awesome. I just launched it, and it is called the uh, art and science of raising capital like a pro, the 4P rule. I walk you through the four techniques that you need to develop in order to start raising capital successfully. And these are the techniques that I've developed over the last couple of years for my own business, which is RSM Property Group. And the four Ps are pretty simple. It is professionalism, pitch, practice, and patience. Very, very key when, you know, when trying to raise capital for your real estate deal. So guys, if you want to get your hands on this new book, it's hot off the press, brand spanking new, jump on iTunes, leave the show a five-star review, and then shoot me uh, your info at info at rsnpropertygroup.com, and I'll flick you the, uh, the new ebook. All right, guys, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today, the entrepreneur in the hottest seat in town is Karen Hall. G'day, Karen. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Reid. Thank you so much. How are you doing today? Is it Friday? You gearing up for the weekend? <laughs> yes, doing well, doing well. Just, you know, straight out, out of a, a charity board meeting that was really, uh, really got me fired up. So ready to go for the day. <laughs> well, I'm going to quickly pulled you across to do this interview. So thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to, to tell us about self-directed IRAs. But before we dive into self-directed IRAs and retirement, you know, retirement account investing, can you give us a little bit more about uh, your background and elaborate on how you got involved in the retirement planning space? Right. I mean, you don't just wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'll get into retirement planning <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so much as, as, uh, 
but but you know, uh, but my background initially was being a radio announcer out of college for 17 mm. years, and then of course I made the logical transition into real estate because that's where we all go, don't we? Right. Right. And then uh, so I, I became a property manager for some apartments. Uh, and then got into being a realtor, which I did for one year until I realized that was not the career path for me. And then I um, became engaged and became the trailing spouse and, you know, took different jobs, mostly in mortgage loan servicing for a number of years, had kids and stayed in mortgage loan servicing and then got into uh, mortgage loan origination and did that for quite a number of years. So I think mortgage altogether was like 16 years. Um, some of it overlapped, of course. And then, yeah, and then the mortgage market was dying as we all painfully felt and I needed to make a transition. And so a friend of mine met someone who owned a self-directed IRA company and I met them, interviewed with them. They hired me and that was going along great until it wasn't until there was a, 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 a hitch, we'll call it. And now um, I, then I opened my own company, my own self-directed IRA company, went and hung out my own shingle. And now we're seven years into it. Uh, we've, helped about, oh, I don't know, about 3,500 people self-direct their their retirement into things like all kinds of things. You know, we'll talk about that later, but uh, but that's that's been my career path, you know, radio, property management, real estate, mortgage servicing, mortgage origination, and, and here. So it's, it's been a great ride. Interesting. That's, uh, it's, you sounds like you've got a, a massive amount of experience, you know, a bunch of topics that all will relate to investing in general. So what types of real estate were you investing in and are you still investing today? Right. Well, finally I am. I mean, in, in 2009, that was a, that was a heavy hit like it was for so many people. And so it was a rebuild time, but now I mean, investing, I'm, you know, um, one of the things I do invest a little bit in precious metals and, uh, my, my friends that own, um, a, a precious metals storage place, they, they call me a silver stacker. I guess that's what, I guess that's the term for it. Um, so that's what I like to do. And then I has, I have a rental property as well. So not heavy into investing as I'd like to be, but you know, we just, we just, build on that every day, don't we? You know, I've got a 401k and I've got my retirement. Oh, and guess what? I have a self-directed IRA. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and building your business, right? Because you own the business. That is an investment and that is something that will grow over time. So Absolutely. Yep. So, Karen, just segueing into self-directed IRAs, for all those people out there listening to the show who may not know what a self-directed IRA is, because you know a lot of my, uh, my a lot of my listeners are international investors. Uh, we don't call them IRAs in other countries in Australia. We call them super funds. I know in Europe they have a different name for them, but essentially just retirement planning. You know, you, we call them four hundred one ks here. So, do you want to just sort of give us the lowdown? You know, the basic bare bones of what a self-directed IRA is. Right. Well, IRA started in uh, about 1974. There was something called uh, the ERISA Act and uh, the Gerald Ford signed it into effect. It went into effect in 1975 and it created the IRA. And what IRA stands for is Individual Retirement Arrangement. And so what it does is it's so that the average American doesn't have to rely on Social Security. Now they can have an individual retirement arrangement where they can save for their own retirement. And back when... IRAs were initiated and first created, you were able to self-direct them then, but the average person didn't really know what they were, let alone what you could do with them. The IRS didn't say, hey, here's everything you can put into an IRA. They just gave us a short list of what we can't do. And basically that is that we're not going to be investing our IRAs into life insurance contracts or collectibles. So everything else is open game, but 
it, you're probably at the time, you know, if you were even born, were, you know, if, if you were a worker at the time, you're busy doing your job and, you know, taking care of your family, not really thinking about what you're putting in your IRA or how, what that was. And so you may not have realized that you had other choices. It's something that the, the rich knew as far as their tax planning, but it wasn't widely known to the individual until about the recession, you know, 2009, which was a great time to open my company because it was right then because of the recession, the access to capital really just cut off. Banks weren't lending, were they? You know, you remember that. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so where are you going to find money? Well, the answer is the uh, you, you find the capital in what is now a, a $24 trillion pool of retirement funds. I mean, $7.7 of it is IRA money. There's a lot in 401ks, of course, defined benefit plans, uh, other kinds of retirement plans. The whole pool altogether equals about $24 trillion right now. So, so that is, uh, that's the great thing about what an IRA is when it was founded, what you can do with it. And the self-directed IRA industry has always been there but it's just become more popular as we go forward. Interesting. And so explain to me the difference between an IRA and the 401k. For those American listeners listening, a 401k and an IRA, what are the sort of differences there? A 401k, uh, whenever you hear a number associated with an American retirement plan, it refers, it refers to that section of the tax code, the Internal Revenue Code. So 401k, that's where you can read about it. So these 401k, 403b, 457, these kinds of retirement plans are what we call ERISA plans. What they are is plans for employers that have more than one employee, right? So they have special rules and there's a whole universe of these employer plans. The IRA world is a different universe with different, well, you know, similar but different rules. So it may be that you work somewhere, your employer has a retirement plan that you can uh, participate in if you wish, and that is one world of retirement savings. Another world would be the individual world where you have uh, the individual 401k, the individual retirement arrangement, you know, the Roth. And, and by the way, IRAs mean traditional IRA, Roth, SEP, simple, spousal, inherited IRAs, different kinds of IRAs. So so that's that's a big pool. But so the difference between... Uh, between them is that one is an employer-based plan with with one set of rules. The other is their individual plans with you know with a, a less strict set of rules. Right. Interesting. So if I'm an employee and I'm at my company and they're saying, "Hey, you want to participate in this this particular program for your retirement, which is 401k," can I choose to then go and say, "No, no, I don't want to participate in that one. I want to go do my own and I will start my own IRA." Can I do that? You can have your own IRA at the same time that, that your employer offers a 401k plan. And you want to talk to your tax advisor first off to make sure that that's the right thing for you, you know, because a lot, you know, you, you need to make that decision based on your entire strategy. Uh, but you can have both. But with your 401k, you pretty much have to invest in the, in the, in the assets that that plan provides. A lot of employers don't offer self-directed or alternative assets in their plan because the employer is a fiduciary and can be held responsible for if there's a bad situation with the assets in an employer plan. So a lot of times they stick to what's safe, you know, mutual funds and things like that. So, um, so if you have a 401k with your current employer, I say contribute to it. I say save as much as you possibly can for retirement because you're going to need it, I promise. <laughs> and you will not be sorry, like, oh, no, I saved too much. I mean, you'll never say that right. when, you're, you know, when you're at that age. But, and if, you're, if your employer will match 
what you're contributing, that's free money. And, and why wouldn't you take advantage of that? But that's not the world that I operate in on a day-to-day basis. The world I operate in is the IRA world, the individual world, and more specifically, the, the world of investing in alternative assets using retirement funds. Right, right. So let's let's segue into that then. And so we do, I'm, a, I'm an individual. I'm going to set up an IRA account with you, Karen. What's the sort of steps I need to go through to set up that account and the sort of the minimum amount I need to put in there? Is it 10000 Is it a dollar? Is it 100 bucks? Is it 100000 To then help mm-hmm. me with the long-term goal of, and this is a second question, of then investing that money in real estate because that's what the whole point of this show is, right? We want to talk about the benefits of using an IRA to buy real estate. So do you want to explain a little bit about that? I really do. When, when you're investing in real estate, of course, you need to begin with the end in mind. You need to be a planner. Don't just, you know, uh, pull the trigger before you've got the, the gun you know, loaded here. So what you want to do is open an account where you fill out our paperwork and it's online. It's pretty easy. Uh, it takes about a day to get you an account number. The second step, then there are three steps. The second step after you open the account is then to fund it. So where do you fund it from? Where, where does the money come from? One, it could be that you used to work for an employer and now you don't work there anymore and you can do what's called roll over. You roll over that previous employer plan. That's one way to fund a self-directed IRA. Another way is to do an IRA to IRA transfer. If you have money in a different IRA, you fill out our transfer form and then you sign it and then you give it to us and we sign it and we send it to your current custodian right? And then they take up a couple of weeks and then they'll send the money over. Now, the third way to put money in a self-directed IRA is to just write a check out of your own checkbook and make a contribution. But how much can you contribute? You want to ask your tax advisor because it depends upon your age and your income and your account type, how much you can put in there. Maybe you can't even make a contribution, but you just have to ask your tax advisor uh, about that. So those are three ways to get money into an account initially. So now the account is open and funded. Now you asked about minimums. You, you, you don't want to just open an account with, with nothing in it or with a couple hundred dollars because we have an annual fee of 275, which is pretty low for our industry. But you want to, you'll have this asset in mind. So we, we don't have an account minimum per se, but we do ask and require that you leave $325 in the account. That's all. It's a pretty small minimum. Um, so you've got the account open. Now it's funded. And now, and now you're ready to invest. So you find your asset, but here's the tricky part. This is what a lot of people forget because when you're investing with self-directed IRAs, there are some special rules that I'm sure we'll go deeper into, but you, the human being, you're not doing the investing technically. It's the IRA, the account that's investing. So the name of the investor isn't your name. It's not Reed. It's Reed's IRA. That's the investor. So you don't sign the document, the offer to purchase. We sign on behalf of the IRA as the custodian of the IRA. So we get the custodial, we get the custodial signature on that document. And there you go. The custodian and it will sign and the IRA owns the asset. That's how that works. So Karen, just to be, just to be clear that if there was a $200,000 property out there that uh, I wanted to buy, per, you know, to put my, to buy with my self-directed funds, I wouldn't personally have the $200,000 in my account. I would tell you, my custodian, i.e. you direct, Karen Hall, to go and purchase that property on the behalf of me as as my custodian, correct? 
That's exactly right. It's for the benefit of SBO. Yes, it's it's our custodian for the benefit of your IRA, and that's exactly how it works, precisely. Right. And then, so in in terms of you know, contrib- uh, say, say you get rental income from a property, right? You bought this two hundred thousand dollar property. It's given me rental income. Does that money come to me, uh, Reed Goosens, or it goes to my custodial <laughs> bank? <laughs> It goes right. It must go to your IRA. And if it doesn't, well, then you're you're in hot water because that's called, well, it's called a lot of things. It could be called a prohibited transaction. It could be called taking constructive use of funds. It's, you know, constructive, uh, you know, use of your IRA. So you don't want to ever put proceeds from your IRA owned asset in anywhere else except in the IRA that owns the asset. We've had account holders who maybe their IRA owns a house and their renters pay the rent, but they put that rent money in a different IRA, same thing. It, it just blows the whole deal. And then your entire a, IRA can become a, a taxable event because you, you didn't manage it correctly. The proceeds must go back in the IRA that owns the asset. Right. And that's, and you know, that's, it's, an, it's a retirement account and that's the purpose of it, right? You're using retirement money, i.e. when you hit a certain age, 65, let's say 65. And so you want to keep propping that up. And it just so happens that the rental income is propping, you know, adding more money to the account and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Correct? Yeah, you make an excellent point. I mean, that is the very, very basic premise of the IRA is that the pro the proceeds and, and, and the benefit you get from that re- retirement account isn't for now at all. It's only for later when you retire. So you don't get to have any personal benefit or present benefit or indirect benefit from your IRA until you retire. And then anytime you do take money out of a retirement account, of course, in America, it's going to be taxable unless it's a Roth IRA, which is a special case. When you take the money out, you'll then you'll pay a tax on the money you've you've withdrawn. Okay. So let's talk about Roth. Let's talk about the different the bit the difference between a, a normal IRA and a Roth IRA. What what are those major differences and what are the benefits associated with, with one or the other? Well, the Roth IRA is the newest IRA, and it's only it's only been out. Well, it's been out like twenty or so years. Um, but the Roth IRA, when you make a contribution to the Roth IRA, it's after tax, so you don't get to write the contribution off on your on your income taxes. You make an after tax contribution, but then the money that you've contributed begins to, and then you invest. That investment grows tax free. So it's sitting in there in that Roth Roth retirement account. And it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And and all the other retirement accounts are similar. When you know you put the money in, they grow tax-free in a Roth, tax-deferred in a different kind of account. But where what's different about a Roth is when you take the money out. When you take the money out of a Roth, it's tax-free for life. That's awesome. And that is a huge benefit. With a different kind of retirement account, when you take the money out, it's taxable. So yeah, with the Roth IRA, taking the money out is tax-free for life. And so there are some limits. For example, there are income limits. If you make too much money, you cannot even contribute to a Roth IRA. So um, you know, how interesting is that? You may not even realize you could make too much money to, to contribute to a Roth. And for 2017, if you're single, that amount is $118,000 a year. If you're married filing jointly, that number is $186,000 a year married filing jointly where uh, you can't contribute. That, that's where the phase-out limits begin. But but there is uh, an interesting kind of like loophole here, and it's now referred to as the backdoor Roth. And here's what I mean. Maybe you make too much money and you can't contribute to a Roth IRA, but you like the tax-free growth. So what you do is you contribute to a different kind of IRA that you qualify for. You can You contribute to that IRA, and then you convert to Roth. So 
or you may not be able to contribute today, you can convert regardless of your income. So you may not be able to get in the front door, you can get in the back door on the Roth. Interesting. So just in general, um, uh, to break it down a little bit, the Roth IRA means that if I put in, um, I don't know, uh, if I earn less than $118,000 and I put in $20,000 a year or my property that I purchased puts in $20,000 a year into that um, into that Roth IRA, I will pay tax on the front end. So if I if I if I open the account and put 100k into it, I pay tax on the 100k. But then over a period of next 20 years, I continue to contribute through the rental income or whatever it might be. In 20 years' time, the the mm-hmm. nest egg is obviously larger, correct? So I don't get I don't get taxed on you know say it's grown to a million bucks or two million dollars. I don't get taxed on two million because I paid the upfront on the hundred thousand when I first opened the account. Is that correct? Well, it, it's it's sort of correct. So let me just break it down <laughs> sure. so that we're using the, the, the industry jargon. And how would you know that? And it's you don't do this every day. But, right, right. So there's a contribution is the amount of money that you take from your checking account and put into your account. That's a contribution that comes from your personal money into the account. Now, that's one thing, and that's limited. But once the money's in there, once you've got money in a Roth, the proceeds on the Roth money, there's no limit to how much growth you can receive. So you put the money in, you, if you make a contribution, you can, or if you convert, that's how the money gets in there. The growth is tax-free for life, right? It grows tax-free and it comes out on the other end tax-free. So that's how that works. The contribution is when it comes from uh, your own personal checking account and then the proceeds, maybe maybe your, your Roth buys a rental property and the right. rent goes back in every month, the rent, 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 rent. Of course, you've got some expenses coming out, but that growth is not capped. The, 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 the growth can be infinite. I mean, you know, just ask Mitt Romney. He had a you know, multi-hundred million dollar um, Roth IRA and... And so, yeah, he created some some controversy, and everybody took a look at that. <laughs> no, no, I think I and I, you, you said it more, said it more eloquently than I did, but I, that, yeah, it was kind of what I was trying to get at—that you know, rental income from the property that you yeah. purchase. Yeah, got it. That's very, very interesting. Um, and talk to me a little bit about the sort of restrictions that you can, and you know, with I've heard out there, and you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that there's some restrictions on how much of your IRA you can invest into any one deal. Is that correct? I've heard twenty five percent. Well, okay, where where that rule is coming from has to do with private placements. Now, what that means is if somebody has a private placement, um, it may be called like a Reg D offering or Reg B offering or something like that. A syndication is another name for it. If If it's that kind of investment, the asset sponsor, the person raising capital, if it, that's something you want to talk to your tax person about too. But if they're raising, I believe the number is 25% or more of it comes from retirement funds, then they have to d- file a special document, you know, and, okay. and they have, they have special rules. So, um, so that's how that works. It's not for the investor. That's, that's a rule for the asset sponsor and they should uh, check on that with their tax advisors and, 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 uh, and their accountants and their, their lawyers. No, that's, that's, um, that's very good advice. And any other type of rules that in terms of what you can invest in with your IRAs uh, or Roth IRA? There, there are, and, and these are called prohibited transactions. So what I call, well, this is what I call it, the self-directed IRA world, it's like a game. It's a game of keep away from these prohibited transactions. So they pretty much fall into three buckets. One is you don't get any personal benefit. We kind of covered that before, but let's do it again because you don't get to have any personal benefit today. And here's an example. I had a I love this example because it it's illustrates it so perfectly. But a gentleman came into the office wanting to make a note. Uh, he had a 401k he was rolling over, wanted to take that money and lend it to his sister-in-law. Now, this is a good point to bring up that there are people who are allowed and people who are actually disallowed to the IRA. 
So the people who are allowed are the people out to the sides on the family tree, like your aunts and uncles and your cousins and your brothers and sisters. But the disallowed people are up and down the family tree. So think of it, if you passed away, who would inherit your estate immediately? It would be your parents, your grandparents and their spouses, you and your spouse, your children, your grandchildren and their spouses. Up and down the family tree, they're disallowed. So this man comes in, has a 401k, wants to roll it over and lend money to his sister-in-law. Great. His sister-in-law is allowed. She's out to the side on the family tree. She's you know, far enough arm's length that, that your IRA can make a loan to your sister-in-law. But I asked him, when your sister-in-law gets that money from your IRA, what's she going to do with it? He said, oh, well, she's going to invest in my company. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be a prohibited transaction. I mean, good idea. Investors are clever people. Don't get me wrong. But he couldn't do that because he would receive indirect benefit from his IRA, and you can't do that. Um, if you do that and you get caught or the IRS, you know, taps you on that, your entire IRA is dispersed to you as a taxable event, and we issue a 1099 for the amount of your IRA. It's no longer uh, a retirement account. Now it's just income, and you get 1099 for it. So you don't want to break the rules. You want you want to keep away from prohibited transactions. So another prohibited transaction is that you don't buy, sell, or exchange any assets between the IRA account and one of these disallowed people. So your IRA doesn't sell a property to your son. Your IRA doesn't buy a property from your mom. Um, you, don't, you don't buy an asset from your IRA. If you want it, you have to take it as a withdrawal. So disallowed people don't do business with the IRA. You've got to keep it arm's length. And number three is that a disallowed person, right, up and down the family tree, plus anybody offering services to the plan, right, those are disallowed people. They can't provide goods, services, or facilities to the plan. That's how it's written. And if you want to read where it's written, it's an in Internal Revenue Code 4975, IRC 4975 is where the rules are written. What this third prohibited transaction is about is that Here's another example. We had a, a gentleman who his IRA was going to buy a house. So we, got the, we had the offer to purchase that looked just beautiful and, it, and everything was perfect. The, 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 the buyer was the custodian for the benefit of his IRA and we were looking through it, looking through it. We get to the last page. Wait a minute. Look at this. Who's, who's, the, who's the broker on the deal? They have the same last name. Well, guess what? It's his father. Well, his father wanted a commission on the deal. <laughs> and, I, you know, I don't blame him, right? But, but with an IRA world, it doesn't work that way. So dad is a disallowed person. Dad not only can't take a commission, he can't provide the services even for free. So we had to say, uh, prohibited transaction can't do that. So, and, and, and cross that off. So whether or not a deal is a prohibited transaction or not, the onus of knowing that is on the account holder. Of course, we're going to look at it, but you need to be responsible. It's self-directed and a lot more responsibility falls on your shoulders to know what you're doing when you're using a self-directed IRA account. But when we talk about the, you know, IRAs are a game of keep away, they're keep away from prohibited transactions. And if you need to know more about that, or if you got a deal, hey, Karin, does it sound like it would work in a self-directed IRA? Can I do this? I mean, I don't give financial advice, right. but I can tell you if I think it would be a prohibited transaction. Sure, sure. No, that's, 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 that makes sense. So, um, so Karen, what are the sort of associated fees that you know, I'm thinking about doing, you know, directing my own retirement account, uh, funds and accounts? Are there annual fees that I've got to be aware of? Obviously, you mentioned a fee earlier on. Uh, what about like writing checks or anything like that? Is there any, anything we should be aware of? 
Of course, and, and our fees are on our website, which is UDirect, the letter U, UDirectIRA.com. Um, every self-directed IRA company charges fees a little bit differently. Some charge on a sliding scale, so the more your account's worth, the more you're charged, but we don't do that. We charge a flat fee. Regardless right. of the number of assets in the account and regardless of their value, we charge $275 a year. There's a $50 setup fee up front, $275 a year. And when, so say, for example, your IRA buys a house and now you need us to write a check uh, to pay the annual insurance bill. We're going to charge you $10 to write that check. And that's the way it is you know, today at the end of 2016. That's, that's how our fees work. And, and if, you, if, if your renter sends us a check that bounces, there's a fee for that. If you need a cashier's check, if you need us to FedEx something, those things have fees too. Um, and when you go to invest, and you give us a direction letter, that, that process would normally have a $35 fee associated with it. But we do waive the first six transaction fees, not per year, but for the entire lifetime of the account. So the first six um, transactions, we're going to waive that $35 fee on. Okay, interesting. That's uh, that's good to know. So you know, when you're managing a property, there are a lot of checks you got to get paid. You got to pay GCs. You got to pay. Hopefully, pro hopefully your property manager is taking care mm. of that. But you do sometimes have to have additional checks that you need to cut. Um, so very, very interesting. Question for you: What advice can you give to people thinking about self starting a self-directed IRA? About just you know what taking the next steps or you know just any sort of you know macro advice about you know taking under their own wings and, and and not using their their employer or they're going out on their own as an entrepreneur and they want to start using a self-directed IRA to buy real estate right well first you have to realize that when you're buying real estate you can't um, you need to plan ahead and you need to have money in your account you've got contribution limits and when it's a traditional or Roth IRA you can only put $5,500 in it per year if you're under 50. If you're 50 plus, you can put $6,500 a year. So it's not like you can just open an account today with $5,500 and start investing in real estate unless you're making small, small notes on real estate or something. So typically, if you're going to invest in real estate, you're going to do it in, in a few ways. One is to roll over a big 401k from where you used to work. Now you've got a large pool of money to work with. Or you're going to partner with somebody. Your IRA can partner with someone else's cash. Your IRA can partner with someone else's IRA and do the deal together. Or you invest in a syndication where somebody is pooling funds and you know and 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 doing that. Now you have to be an accredited investor to get involved in the syndication. But you so you just ask them and you get financial advice um, uh, there and find out if if you're if you're qualified to do that. But if you, if you say, hey, look, I've got a lot of money in my IRA and enough to take down this house I'm looking at. This sounds like a great idea. I want to do this. Then what you want to do is um, pencil out all the numbers. I would say, I mean, just, you know, how much is it going to cost? How much does the acquisition cost, the closing cost, the rehab costs and everything? And, and does it make sense to you? You're, you're self-directed. So you're the one who is, is, is doing the due diligence on this deal. So do your due diligence first on the deal before you invest. And also make sure, does the seller have the right to sell the property? Huh, right. That would be a good thing. And after they sell it to you, did it get recorded? That's also kind of important, you know, to make sure that your IRA actually took title to the asset. It's self-directed and you need to do that due diligence um, and, and check on it. So technically, you know, we don't offer financial, legal, tax advice at all. And, and, and I have to say for the lawyers, right? But, but doing your due diligence is something I can certainly recommend to you that you make sure that you, you pencil things out in advance and, and see if this is going to work for you so that you have a, a good experience. You want to have a, a good and profitable experience. So take a look at it from every angle. 
Right. No, I think that's very good advice to understand the word self-directed. It's very, very, you are self-directing is your responsibility. And I think, you know, that's been the underlying theme right. of, of today's show is be just, just be aware of the different things that you need to be aware of. Don't, you know, ignorance isn't an excuse, unfortunately. So, um, so Karen, uh, obviously this show is about international investors buying US real estate. Um, are you working with any international investors? I don't, I, I wouldn't know, but maybe you are. Well, we don't so much because in order to have a self-directed IRA, you need to be a U.S. citizen or have a, have a social security number to have a self-directed IRA. However, uh, Americans can use their self-directed IRAs to invest out of the country. E- although they can, there are some rules about wiring money outside the country. So there are some, some tricky rules about that that we don't really have time to get into. So <laughs> investing in foreign countries, eh, maybe yes, maybe no. But you, one of the things you want to take a look at when you're, especially when you're using a, an IRA to invest outside the country, is not only to think about your IRA, but also to think about the country you're investing in, because where your IRA may be tax exempt in the United States, it it may not be tax exempt by the government. So if my self-directed IRA were to buy a house in Australia, mm-hmm. I may may not pay U.S. tax on it, but Australia may have a different opinion about whether or not I owe tax <laughs> on the income. So I need to make sure that I'm super clear, and that's part of my due diligence. Hey. You know, I can't just assume things. I have to make sure, well, what does Australia think that uh, what kind of tax does Australia wish to collect on the proceeds I just made on my rental property there? So you need to, you know, do that homework too. Interesting. Yeah, well, I've got a couple of Australian guys who use their self-directed super funds, we call them super funds in Australia, to buy US real estate. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. Australia, you know, I'm sure there's there's people going the other way as well as the uh, American dollar is so strong against the, the Aussie dollar. But um, as very good advice, always get advice from your, your accountant and, and a financial planner about all those different things. You know, we, we I've got to say that as well for the lawyers. <laughs> so Karen, are you ready to jump into the top five investing tips here in the United States? Ready to get into it? <laughs> okay, I don't advise, so I'm, I'll, I'll give you modified answers, but you, you shoot away and I, you take it away. I'll, sure I'll do thing. my best. What is your daily habit that you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Prayer. Prayer? <laughs> nice. No, no, it's, it's prayer. You know, yeah. And, and I. It's a good thing, you know. It's it's you know prayer and meditation, but also it's it, it you know working out. I work out three four days a week, so that just keeps the brain clear and gets the cobwebs out, and uh, uh, you know those sorts of things. I I, I think that's and, and also you know making a list of what I'm going to do the next day and having a plan. That way I can execute and don't have a lot of wasted time. No, I think you've hit on all the ones that you know, meditation, prayer, exercise, to do lists. Um, you know, giving getting oxygen to the brain and taking a little bit of time away from or getting stuff out of your brain or onto paper because we, we sometimes clutter it all up right and we just it's too overwhelming and we get all stressed mm. and we need to go to the gym more <laughs> so um yeah who's the amen most to that for sure. yeah, amen exactly who's the most influential person in your career to date i gotta say back to the basics napoleon hill and you know and, and what a powerful uh powerful writer he was and talking about um you know and also Stephen Covey with The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's that's a really good book. A lot of the classics th- that we can read, um, I've been really influential. Tony Robbins. Um, what I love about Tony Robbins, the main takeaway from him is take massive action. When you've got an idea, just go and start taking action because an idea without action is just nothing, really. So those are, those are some of the major influencers in my life. And you're taking massive action right now, like with all your experience in starting an awesome, really, really successful Uterac company that's uh, – 
well done. Uh, what is the most influential tool in your business? I'm sure you'd have to have an influential tool. Is it your cell phone? Is it a software that you use? It might be staff. <laughs> I've had some people in here tell me that their financing staff is their best tool in their business. <laughs> <laughs> tools ah you know i mean obviously the the internet it's not it, the world has changed so much obviously and if you're born after 1996 you don't know any different but but the things are going so much more to the internet so investing in internet technology it's it's so different and then also in investing in internet security are really important tools making sure that things are not only expedient but safe for everyone um i think those are the, the best and most powerful tools that i that i work with every day Right. Uh, this is a bit of a doozy. Um, I've just started to add this one in. I, I, I love talking about people's success. However, I'm now going to change it up a little bit and talk about people's failures because when you fail, you, you fail fast. You know, a lot of people talk about that. Tony Robbins talks about that. Um, so what's the failure in your, in your career to date that you've learned the most from? A, a failure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would call it a failure, but it was certainly a setback. That's when I was working for the other self-directed IRA company, and they let me go. And it was mm. because they said I created a negative culture. And I'm like, what does that mean? And and, and I, it just was some legal mumbo jumbo. And I thought, well, here I am, uh, regardless of what the, what that means. I mean, you know, we were doing so it was, everything was so successful, and it didn't make any sense. So, but but it was a setback, and. So then it's time to regroup and then you think, okay, well, what are my resources? That's the first thing you look at. What do I have to work with here? And at the time during the recession, all my experience as a radio announcer was useless because where I live in Orange County, California, there aren't any radio stations. They're all in LA. <laughs> and, and so my, my experience right in mortgage lending and real estate didn't mean a lot in 2009 when we had the great recession. I couldn't you know, I couldn't put those skills into play. So the only way out was through my skill was self-directed IRAs. I knew how to do that. And so opening a self-directed IRA company, um, just going with the resources that I had was, it was a total leap of faith. It was, you know, what do they say about burning all your ships? Well, all my <laughs> ships were burned <laughs> and I had to win. You know, I have, I have a single mom, two kids and I had to go forward. So so I did, and, and it worked, and it was just one step at a time with the help of, of, of wonderful uh, people who helped and supported me, and, you know, it's not like somebody wrote me a big check or anything. It was, but they said, hey, call this person, talk to that person, try this, try that, or, or um, you know, a, a lawyer, hey, help me, let me help you write that, uh, write that contract. My CPA said, look, we'll do your taxes for free for the first couple of years till you get off your feet, and it was my network, my friends, um, that, 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 and, and just shared moving forward, you know, no ships to, to, I was on the Island. I had to get off. <laughs> and so just moving forward one step at a time. Uh, and that's, that's why I went from that huge setback to, um, to where we are today with 11 employees and our clients sitting on about 350 million in assets. Wow. That's congratulations. And that's, that's a huge pat on the back because thank you. You, when your back's up against the wall like that, you know, you, 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 as you said, you, what do you, what do you got left? And you, you, it's so easy to throw in the towel, but I think sometimes that when you are faced with adversity, you just, there's some inner hunger as you obviously experienced to say, I'm going to push through this. I'm going to use my network. And, and obviously people were very, very um, helpful with you to get you to where you are today. So well done, Karen. Very, very well done. Um, the last question I have for you is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? 
The best thing is, you know, hey, the internet. So it's udirectira.com. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. We're all over uh, the internet. But go to our website because if you want the answers to a lot of these self-directed IRA uh, questions, like our fees, and you want to know that about our company, yeah, what about our company? What about us? What about the IRS? What do they say about the rules about self-directed IRAs? And hey, I'm looking to self-direct my IRA, but I'd like some helpful resources on fraud awareness so that I don't get stuck in a deal. We've got that on our website too, like investor.gov, which is from the SEC, and then uh, the North American uh, Securities Administrators Association called NASA with an extra A, FINRA, all that. How do you get a hold of them? And that's on our website. So uh, I think our website is the best place, or info at the letter U, udirectira.com. Awesome stuff. Well, Karen, you've certainly provided some awesome information, some really takeaway golden nuggets. I know we t- we covered a lot of really, really heavy information and probably people will be going back and re-listening to this, but we've only got 45 minutes, so I didn't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, I'm sure people will be reaching out to, 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 to contact you. Just to give a bit of a recap, we spoke about uh, what is a self-directed IRA. We talked about Roth IRAs. We talked a little bit about the type of restrictions, and we just talked about a little bit how you, you what you can and can't do. Um, um, is there anything else I left out, Karen? Well, uh, something that I would like to offer to your listeners, Reid, because I know, you know, it, it, as a gift, uh, is that if you want to send me an email and write book in the subject, I will send you a self-directed IRA book. And I mean a, a paper book. Now, I've got to offer this just to U.S. people only because of the shipping overseas. So sorry about that. But if, you're, if you live in the United States, I will mail you a book. And if I, I don't have any book yet, I will, but today I don't. So in the meantime, I'm offering a, a paper book to uh, your U.S. listeners. But just send me an email, info at udirectira.com, write book in the subject line, and I'll, I'll send them an actual book that you hold in your hand. Remember those days <laughs> yeah, I, when you I held do. a book in your hand and read it? Yeah, I you know, cer- so, I so that's do. what I'd like to offer to your listeners. Well, fantastic! I will put that all in the show notes, uh, and they can jump on. You know, we can we'll have all the links that we mentioned on today's show in the show notes. Well, Karen, thank you so much for dropping in and chatting with us. Have a great rest of your week and your weekend, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Another great episode, jam packed full of awesome investing advice and actionable tips. Some really, really great advice that Karen gave us about investing your self-directed IRA into real estate. Now, if you want to contact Karen and find out a little bit more, all her information will be up on my website on in the show notes. And just head to rsnpropertygroup.com forward slash podcast. Now, while you're there, sign up for the wine and cheese events and my newsletter so you can keep up to date on all the latest deals that we're doing. Um, and if you ever are in LA and you want to switch by and you want to you know have a coffee or a beer or go out to lunch then then hit me up shoot me an email at read at rsnpropertygroup.com let me know when you're coming through town and uh, we'll link up thanks again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge is because that's what we're all about here on this show continuing to grow your financial iq you can follow me on facebook or twitter by searching reed goosens that's r-e-e-d g-o-o-s-s-e-n-s and remember if you tweet at me i will always tweet back So until next week, take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing.